Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallat. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast, a show about the world of cinema as a celebration of our love of movies. Today, we're talking about Smile, the new horror mini hit made a lot of money that is basically the ring, but with people smiling. If you want to skip right to our discussion on that, there will be a timestamp in the episode description. What is even more exciting is that today we are joined by a very special guest, Joey from So Wizard Podcast. Welcome to the show, Joey. What's going on, everybody? It's great to be back. I'm here to helpfully cleanse myself of my last appearance, <laughs> which was the 355. Um, <laughs> so hopefully right. you guys have brought me back on for a much better movie this time, right? Right? <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Right? Sure. Everyone appears to be smiling at this point, so we'll see how that happens as the episode progresses. But yeah, it's great to be here, guys. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, We're going to start with weekly watch list. Tyler, I know you got a whopper of one, but Joey, you've been watching anything cool this week? Uh, Yes, actually, as a matter of fact. So I've discussed this in the past that my life is mostly just watching what we're going to do that week. And then we record on Monday and then the episode comes out and then I have to go watch something again. And sometimes we're doing the monsters this week as we record. So I've already watched that since it leaked early on fire stick. I was able to watch it early to get myself a weekend off of the crush of doing things. Though I did kill myself to go to the movies to see smile actually. <laughs> so that was, that was fun, but well, thank I you did, for that. uh, I, you know, no problem at all. It's, it's what I, it's what I do. I grind myself into dust for podcasting. I have no problem with it whatsoever, but I did get to watch a couple movies. So I did watch a movie called fall. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Let's go. Nothing to do with seasons whatsoever. So that, that was disappointing, but it's about some millennials that are into climbing, and they decide the only way to get over the death of their friend who died climbing is to climb a very tall TV tower out in the middle of nowhere. Um, that was that was a movie. That was a movie I watched, and it was in focus. Um, you know, that was uh, that's about what I got for that one. It, 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 I feel nothing after watching it. it was, had some sensible chuckles at the nonsense of it all, but for the most part, it was just. It was just a movie. I'm sure you guys are reacting like you've seen this movie. Yeah, Tyler and I saw it late at night on a whim. And Tyler, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Had the time of our lives. It's so (laughs) absurd. It was very entertaining. (laughs) And not in the way the movie meant. (laughs) I did like when she got attacked by, was it buzzards or vultures or something? Yeah. (laughs) At one point, it was like, this is absolute nonsense. I think that was supposed to be a direct-to-streaming movie. (laughs) We'll, and put a pen in that because we'll come back to it in a little bit. But that was oh, supposed okay. to be a direct-to-streaming movie that uh, got released theatrically. They also like reshot so much of it by deep faking because there were a lot of they said a lot of f words because they didn't know they thought it was going to be rated R. Then when the studio bought it, they're like, "We want to make it PG-13." So they had to deep fake lines out of the actors so that they weren't saying the F word for like a lot of the movie. I forget how much, but it was a lot of it. So this is like the Walmart rap CD of the fall cinematic universe. Cause back in the day when you used to buy music, Walmart would not sell anything with swears in it. So you, all the CDs and stuff you bought, there were all edited. I remember that. Yes. Uh, in fact, ice cubes kill at will. Uh, one of his seminal albums, was released at Walmart as At Will. They removed Kill from the title, but it had an extra track on it. 
I, I believe one of the songs had a swear in the title, so it had a separate track that was only available on that at will version. Hmm. Oh my lord, that's crazy. That's my Walmart uh, CD censorship talk for the day. So I never knew that. Deep cuts. Yeah, yep, sorry about that. And the other thing I watched besides Fall was uh, it's uh, just started streaming on Amazon Prime, which was my best friend's exorcism. Oh, right, I saw that. Supposed to be a what I assumed was a comedy horror movie uh, teenage type thing uh, right up my alley. I was excited, and it was horrible. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, it was a mess. It was just all over the place in tone, and... It, it just it was set in the 80s for no reason other than they wanted to have a bunch of 80s songs on the soundtrack. It, yeah. it was obnoxious. It was like someone took all the worst parts of like Stranger Things and like Disney Channel movies and all that type of stuff and put them in a blender and then like threw it at you. Like it was awful. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I had been looking forward to that. We were going to do it on our show and then it just decided to do Munsters instead, which I don't know if that's better or worse, <laughs> but wow. um this was just a slog to get through there's it wasn't it was just another one of those movies where you watched it and you're just like okay i just you know gave up two hours of precious time of my life like at some point in the future i'll be in a nursing home like lying on a bed and the lights gonna appear over me and i'm gonna be like man if only i had an extra two hours and then (laughs) god is gonna be like well you had an extra two hours but you wasted (laughs) it watching my best friend's exorcism so you gotta go and That was my watches for the week. Other than trying to uh, catch up on Andor, which is mind-numbingly boring. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, Matt, what about you? So I also watched about half of the Munsters (laughs) after I got home from Smile, because I'm clearly a masochist. Uh, (laughs) I fell asleep during it, but what sticks out to me is I fell asleep, and then, like, I don't know how much time had passed, but I just woke up suddenly to the god-awful sound of that Herman Munster laugh that um, I forgot the actor's name is Jeff Daniel Phillips. He was the, he was the cop from, or the sheriff from three from hell. If anyone's seen that um, they got him as Eddie or Herman Munster. It's a Rob Zombie movie. So if you're unsure who any of the actors are, just look at the cast for his previous movies yeah. and they'll yeah. be the same people's. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what I will say though. I did like Richard Brake in this better than I did in barbarian. For what it's worth, just because of how absurdly overacting he was, just like it, this movie's a mess. Uh, I I don't want to go too much more into it because I didn't I didn't give it a fair enough chance by finishing it, so I'm not gonna say too much more. And then I'm chugging along on my Halloween franchise binge for our episode coming up in a couple weeks. I knocked out H2O and Halloween Resurrection. What I'll say for now is that Halloween Resurrection. It seems to get a bad rap, but I really didn't dislike it as much as I thought I would. That's a, that movie sucks so bad. But which sorry, which one has Buster Rhymes in it? Which so that's Resurrection. <laughs> that's Resurrection. Okay. So I, the way I refer to them is the one with Josh Hartnett and the one with Buster Rhymes. That's how I tell the two apart. Is that your watch list? Yes, that is my All watch right. list. Wow, Tyler. I saw an absolute doozy of a movie. Uh, I saw Blonde, <laughs> the, the Marilyn Monroe movie starring Anna de Armas. I was pumped for this movie because I love Anna de Armas. I love Anna de Armas. So I was like, absolutely give me three hours of this for sure. This is th- the three worst hours of my life. Like I was like, God damn, this movie is not good. <laughs> like, 
Uh, this movie, I'm entirely... So I did this last week for uh, Don't Worry Darling, and I said that my conspiracy is that all the drama was made up to sell this movie. This movie was rated NC-17 to sell this movie. Because Netflix watched this and they're like, what is this? Like, why, what, is, what is this? How are we going to get people to want to watch this? So they're like, just cut out a lot of the stuff. Leave in one scene that keeps it NC-17. And that way we can... Because I didn't see a single headline about this movie that didn't say the NC-17 movie. So that was their entire marketing campaign. And I believe they only kept it. There's one scene that they could have easily cut or just reshot. And it wouldn't have been NC-17 for about 30 seconds of the movie. So I guarantee they kept it just to keep it buzzworthy because no one was watching this otherwise. Three hours of this. So fun fact, I um, I think I sent it to you guys. I read somewhere, I forget where I read it now. Apparently Nick Kroll basically admitted that they did manufacture a lot of the drama for oh, Don't Worry cool. Darling on like a late night appearance. And yeah, sometimes conspiracy theories are true. I guess that's the moral of the story, right? Um, I, I'm just so exhausted with all of that. I just, I've reached my capacity of caring and it's like, what <laughs> we saw the movie. It wasn't good. Let's move on. What? That's don't worry, I darling. Yeah. I just had to record a TikTok <laughs> about don't worry, darling. So oh boy, was it about how uh jet fuel can't melt uh Florence Pugh? <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what was so bad about blonde? So it's just a jarringly paced movie where like it's just like suddenly it's like okay now we're like 10 years later and you don't realize it till like you're halfway through the scene and you're like wait what 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 is going on it's paced horribly everything just is kind of slapped together there's no like central theme here other than like you're just seeing random parts of her life picked out hmm. and like no one in this movie is particularly good Interesting. even her she's not that great she's all right but at least she's hot, right? She's very hot. That's, okay. that's what she's got. You know, it's interesting. I thought the same thing about Elvis, the new Baz Luhrmann, where they make you, you go through so much. This movie is like two and a half hours long. They skip time periods. And by the end of it, they make you think that Elvis is 100 years old. And then they're like, you're like, oh, yeah, he died in his early 40s. Like, that's so weird. Um, that, that I don't think Elvis sounds as bad as Blonde was. Blonde is one of the major movies that I do this rarely, but the buzz was so bad on it, and it was three hours long that I went, I think I'm just going to skip this one. Tyler says call. it sucks, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, not shocking to anybody, I watched two dramas this week. Uh, I watched this movie, it was a new VOD one that I've been waiting for a while called A Love Song. It's about two old friends who have lost both their spouses, and they meet at a remote Colorado camp to reconnect. It's written and directed by this guy, Max Walker Silverman. It was his first feature, so new director spotlight. And as often with these new director spotlights, I really like this. I connected with this movie a lot. It is not for everybody. It is unusually quiet, very minimal, but that's part of what I liked about it. It's soothing, but the story is very devastating at the same time. There are many things left unsaid, but the movie is largely about how the things we can't say to each other or even to ourselves, we can say through song, we can say through music. Dale Dickey is an actress who has been around a long time, been killing it for a long time. You might not know her name, but you definitely know who she is. She's the star. She's stupendous. She communicates so much through these little expressions and gestures. When you hold a movie together where there's very little dialogue, 
you know you've got a good performer, and she does. Uh, and then the other star, Wes Studi, comes in a little later. He really knocks it out of the park here. He's such a calming, commanding presence. They're really wonderful together. I'm not going to bore the people who came to listen to our smile conversation with any more about this quiet drama. Uh, but if you're looking for if you're looking for like a calm movie, which I am sometimes with some substance, this is available on VOD, and I'm sure it'll be on some streamer at some point. All right, this next one, my only other one, is one I hesitated to even tell you guys about because it was so, like... Do you guys remember a few episodes ago when I talked about Jerry and Marge go large? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it runs through my head daily. And how that was the most, like, okay movie I'd ever seen? Well, I have one that's even more painfully average for you, and that is The Good House. This is about Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver! who's a real estate agent on the North Shore of Boston, and she's an alcoholic. She's trying to deal with that and with various issues as she reconnects with an old flame played by Kevin Kline. This is based on the book by Anne Leary and directed by Maya Forbes and Wally Wolodarsky. Apologies to him, even though he's not listening. I really like the book, and it was starring Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline, two wonderful performers. They were amazing together in Dave, if anybody remembers that one where he has to like stand in for the president like that movie and they're in the ice storm together they're really awesome and then i just found it difficult to get through this movie i it's so it's just like a lot of people said that it's like a hallmark movie but i probably would have rather watched a hallmark movie at home with a cup of hot cocoa or something like that, right? This is this is even worse than Jerry and Marge Go Large, and it had better source material. It treats her alcoholism as like a joke for a lot of the movie, and then it expects you to take it super seriously later on, and I just couldn't do it horrible. I Like, truth be told, I was just like writing my own things in my notebook while I was watching this because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't pay attention to this. Just if you're interested in this, which I don't think you are, listener, but if you are, just read the book or look at some pictures of the North Shore in fall, and that will be better, and you'll save yourself some time. Wait, what was the name of that movie again? The Good House. Is that part of the Good Wife universe? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Not to my knowledge. As we discussed on the show many times, the bad, bad Santa, bad teacher, those are always better than any good. Also, Mike, I am waiting for the day you give us a new director spotlight and you tell us how bad it is and you just hope the guy goes on to a different career. Like well, Tyler, <laughs> I'm about to do it because we're about to discuss Smile. Here's what Smile's about. Smile is about a doctor in a mental health unit of a struggling hospital assesses a patient who says an evil spirit has been disguising itself as people she knows. After the doctor witnesses the patient's brutal suicide, she becomes haunted by the same spirit. Okay, sounds good. This is written and directed by Parker Finn. This is a new director spotlight. And though I hope, I don't hope that he goes to another line of work, um, this one might be a little different than the new director spotlights of the past. Joey, why don't we start with you? What did you think of Smile? Um, I, I thought it was disappointing and I thought it was uneven. Um, I, I thought it's a strong concept and it's amazing advertising campaign that doesn't make a good movie, but you know, they had that whole like viral campaign where they paid people to sit, uh, behind home plate 
at MLB games and smile at the camera. And I, I thought that that was interesting. Um, I thought the first, like, maybe 45 minutes of the movie was really strong. Um, and I had seen the trailer so many goddamn times I needed to cleanse myself of it by seeing the movie. Um, and I realized that I go to the movies way more than anyone else does in a normal life. Like, I'm sure you guys are the same way. Like, we go to the movies all the time. So the fact that my entire family had, like, Cinemark commercials memorized and we could recite them as they were happening or, like, I feel like I have a personal relationship with Maria Menounos. Like, those <laughs> yeah. are, like, things that, that normal people don't have. But I had seen this trailer so many times. And the disappointment comes from it just it started out strong. It got real boring. Then it got real dumb. And most of the good moments in the movie were shown in the trailers already. A lot yeah. of the big mm -hmm. scare yeah. jump moments in it were already shown to us. So it, it, it just started off really strong. I liked a lot of the camera angles they were using, the upside down drone shots and stuff. And then it just hit a brick wall. And I kept being like, man, when wh what happened to this movie? It turned into a frown. It sure did. Well Matt, said. What about you? That was very well said. I was unre—I was unreasonably anxious while I was watching this movie, even though it was one of the most predictable movies I've ever seen. Like I knew the jump scare was coming, but I'm kind of jumpy anyway with my horror movies. So like, if it's going to be a jump scare, I'd rather it be a well-earned jump scare instead of a lot of the. Well, basically, that's the one trick of this movie is ah. Jump scare here, jump scare there. It just overuses that, and it, I feel like it doesn't really earn them. There's a really bad jump scare where it cuts to just a, a car driving up on her. Yes. For no reason other than have a loud noise to scare you. And I was just, at that point, I was just like, come on, movie, what are you doing? See, that that was my reaction when it cut to the train. And I'm like, really? You're going to use a train sound to try to scare me? Yeah, like when they were doing the telephone. They used the telephone. Did they not? Didn't they use the telephone twice? They did. One like, in Maybe one I, scene. I, I have like, a whole list of things they used. <laughs> like, I just... I just... I was very uncomfortable during this movie, but not in, like, a good way. Like, I was checking my watch, and I was like, it's... I, I, I knew it was a two-hour movie, and when I saw what time it was, I'm like, there's really an hour left of this. I don't know if I can <laughs> physically stay here and be here for this movie. I did not like it. I understand why people like it. I feel like it's probably a pretty general audience crowd-pleasing movie not to say that there's anything wrong with being that type of moviegoer but as someone who watches a lot of movies and is actively trying to be a bit more critical with my movie watching it there's just it's very very lackluster very like generic to me yeah tyler so, like you said, Joey, I've seen this trailer about a billion times. A billion times. So, like, this movie, I had, like, half the movie memorized in my head from seeing this. So, I was, like, not into the... Like, when we were going to see this, I had no interest whatsoever. I'm like, the trailer looked terrible. I've seen it so many times. But then I saw some, like, word-of-mouth reviews and stuff that were, like, giving it all the praise. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's actually pretty good. And now I just feel like I'm being punked on, like, a national scale. <laughs> because this movie was not scary in any way. There was, like, one part of it that I thought, oh, it's kind of creepy. And that's it. The rest of it was so predictable, it relied way too much on jump scares. 
Like, like we just mentioned a few, everything they did, they did everything to try to be a jump scare. And you could tell the ones that were actually trying to be scary, you could tell them coming. The other ones are just like, oh, okay, that's a loud noise. It just, nothing about this movie was scary to me, and I just was so bored watching it. <laughs> I thought more than not, it was goofy than it was scary. Like, I was laughing out loud to several scenes. It wasn't even like the fun, campy, goofy though. That's that's what. No, it, I was really... laughing at how bad it was. Everything was going. <laughs> like it was no malignant or orphan first kill or even barbarian. Like I, I like barbarian better than this, and I'm and I'm a notorious barbarian hater. Yeah, I I don't like saying this, and I know we're we're coming on a couple of episodes of me being negative here. Not how I like to be, but. I despise this watching experience. I hated it. Like, I, you know, I would say most of the movies that are not successful to me, and I enjoy just, like, looking at the mechanics of movies and seeing how they work, even if I don't enjoy the movie. I I just find it enjoyable. But this is a rare one where I'm like, I just hate sitting here and watching this. Um, it, It could have had something to do with the fact that we had to sit in the very front of the theater and these people, we were like napping between these people's teeth as they were smiling. I just found it to be deeply unpleasant and uncomfortable. The first like 20 minutes, half hour, I was like, okay, this is about what I expected. It's going okay. And then the rest of it was just an assault upon my senses. That's, that's how the movie tries to get you, right? Would a drunk Sigourney Weaver have improved it at all? Yes. I love Sigourney Weaver with all my heart, so yes. She was the only good part of that movie I saw. And Tyler, as you mentioned, this is the kind, as we've all said, I find this kind of horror movie ineffective and unlikable, and that's one where there are only like really one or two genuine scares, and even those are like pretty weak. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it is just like, we're just going to try to make you jump every 30 seconds, and that's going to be scary, right? No, no not for me. You know, I I tried to dig a little deeper. There are a couple of, like, implications about mental health and stuff, but it's all couched in, like, just, like, a painful movie. I just, I really, I cannot remember the last time. You know, I've been bored in movies, especially, like, during August. I've been like, eh, I don't like this, but this was, like, active, active ire. I thought pieces of it were good. I thought most of their performances were all right. Um, Sosie Bacon, am I saying that correctly? I, I think so. I'm not entirely sure. That's how I would say it. But Okay. Miss Bacon, we'll call her. Um, <laughs> as Dr. Rose, I thought her performance was good. I didn't find Rose to be a relatable character at all. Again, in the <laughs> beginning, it was like, okay, she's helping people. She seems like a cool person. Then as the movie went along, I'm like, I don't, I, this person could die and I just wouldn't care at all. She, she is, also she also hurt my brain because I I was like I think she's kind of cute but then I could see Kevin Bacon in her face and it was freaking me out man and then I'm like no she's not cute I can't do this yeah but Kevin <laughs> I mean Kevin Bacon got it going on so that's right <laughs> like I feel like this movie did no research into therapy because she was just a genuinely bad therapist like yeah. with her first patient she's like it's not real it's not stop worrying about it. <laughs> <laughs> How is this going to be effective at all? I'm going to piggyback on that because another thing about this was that in this world, she is the only person who is sensitive to mental health issues. 
every other person is like, they're a kook, they're a psycho, they're a nut job, and you're like, I like wackadoos. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist because it does, but it's like every person was like, oh, they were depressed for for a month. Oh my god, undesirable. Yeah. It, it's like it's trying to come off with the social commentary about how people treat those with mental illness, but it's just very surface level. Like it doesn't really go deeper than like, oh, people. <laughs> think they're just crazy and they don't take it seriously okay yeah absolutely. <laughs> also rose is just the worst aunt that i've ever seen in a movie ever she's like her nephew's birth is first of all her family isn't big she has one sister who has one kid and his birthday party's on a saturday she can't even rsvp two days before Okay, you don't go, that's fine. You can't say, no, I'm not coming to my nephew's birthday party. And then we'll talk about what happens once she gets there. Uh, Kyle Gallner is Joel, who's like her ex-boyfriend slash police detective who helps her out. He looked like um, Jake Gyllenhaal from Bullet Train. So it was confusing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Oh, I didn't even think of that, but you're absolutely right. Trevor. Played by Jesse T. Usher, who we'll we'll get to his his research later. I thought, especially in the beginning, this guy was not a real boyfriend. He was like like cardboard cutout of like what a good boyfriend should be. Like I, this is not a real person. Also, I thought the performance their, was their not relationship great. was not well written because I couldn't tell if he was her fiance. If he was her husband, if he was her boyfriend, like, what was their relationship? I even was looking at their hands to see, was she wearing a wedding ring? Was he wearing a ring? Like, I couldn't figure out their relationship. And he was mostly just there for a couple jump scares and to be annoying. So. Did we ever get his job? He just came in in a suit yeah. and, like, a nice car and, like, then that's exactly. it. Like, he's, he's like, oh, I'm working. Out. I'm doing work. <laughs> he's one of the husbands from Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> Going to the Victory Project. I'll see you guys. <laughs> yeah, I and Joe, you make an excellent point about it not being well written because they go from it was just like a switch. They go from oh they're so happy together to they fight all the time, and there's like no reconciliation or like any sort of up and down at all. They're just like good to bad. All right, goodbye. That's it. We're done with Trevor. Uh, are we are we in full spoilers right now? Are we are we spoiling this right now? Are we not at that point? Because I have some extreme issues with the writing at the end of this movie. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll drop the warning now. Spoilers from here on out. You, if you if you haven't seen the movie, obviously come back to us. But also, you know what the movie is. You saw the trailer. So Joey, go ahead, please. <laughs> well, I'm gonna yeah, die someday yeah, anyway, right? right? What? Honey. Wow. Are you oh, kidding really? me? You just ruin it oh, every oh. time. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? So what what really bothers me about this movie, and it, it's this, it, it reminds me of Barbarian a little bit, too, is that they have this great concept, and they've got about 20 to 35 minutes of a movie, and that's it. That's all they got. They're going to mm -hmm. stretch it out. Um, it gets real boring in the middle, but then... Once she knows that the thing, whatever you want to call it, the smile monster or whatever, its whole shtick is to jump from person to person, right? And it can't jump unless you, someone sees you die in a traumatic way. Like, that's that's the, the shtick. That's the, what they establish is the how the monster works. Why would she ever be afraid if it showed up to her house and they're the only two people there? Like, it's not going to kill you. 
why would it kill itself? <laughs> Great point. It, when it's got her in the cabin, it's got her in the cabin and it's choking her. Well, go ahead, motherfucker, do it. Because you're just killing yourself. Like, what, what, what does it matter? There's no one there. Like it's not, I also had an issue with that because I thought when she's like, I got to do what I got to do or whatever on the phone to Joel, uh, she said, like, I thought she was going to kill herself in the cabin. Yeah. Like, no one's going to witness this. But no, her plan is to kill the demon. Like, what? <laughs> I, I, yeah, her plan. Like, I figured this is where the movie's going and it's going to have this um, depressing ending depressing ending where it's like oh isn't that crazy that you know she just drove off a cliff in the middle of nowhere or like instead she keeps her phone on her so she's trackable and goes to like one of a couple places people would think to look for her so uh, but it, it's like once you knew what the monster schnick was like it's not scary anymore if it's got you alone it's not going to do anything because that's the whole point of it is to pass itself along so if there's no one to see you get killed or to ki- you to kill yourself, then th- what would the monster do? It, it would be like being scared an alien if the alien showed up, sat down, and started playing solitaire in front of you. Like <laughs> w- w- th- nothing's happening to you. You're fine. I I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it completely lost me. And 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 I was like fine with the idea of the story being okay. It's going to be. This is how she has to do it. She has to kill herself. Isn't that depressing? Okay, what a silly ending for this movie. But it's not that they tried to give it, they tried to make it have form so it can be in like 15 Redbox sequels later on instead make it like an actual monster. Then it crawled into her mouth for some reason. I don't understand how any of that happened. I, I, I will say really, though, really that... pissed me off. Like a two days, a day later, I'm still angry about how stupid the ending of this movie was. <laughs> I want to say, though, I I thought the creature design was kind of gnarly looking for what it was. Yeah, yeah. The one, right. the one unnerving thing I thought was the giant monster, mon- uh, giant mother monster. That was I was like, okay, it's a little creepy, but What's no, up like, with when the... you think about it, it, it's stupid. A lot of mother imagery in these horror movies. I was going to say, this is Barbarian, two, like, superhuman mothers. What's going on here? <laughs> And to your point about the middle dragging and then not having much of a story, they introduce the concept of, oh, you could kill somebody else and pass it on. (laughs) And they just do that so they can have the dream sequence where she stabs Carl over and over. And then it's just like forgotten about. It's never brought up again. I got to say that dream sequence is probably my favorite part of the movie. I, I laughed I just... so hard when Cal Penn pulled his face off. <laughs> dying laughing. I, I just didn't know what to do. I'm like, is this a movie or are they just shooting whatever and stitching it together? I, I didn't get that at all. They way leaned into like the hallucina- hallucinations that like you could always tell when she was hallucinating. You're like, this isn't even real. And like the, the scariest thing this movie had, which they showed in the trailers, was the head thing. Yeah. Which they just used for hallucinations. That was literally the only thing you got out of that, was just her imagining it. And I'm like, are you serious? So you just spoiled that entire bit? Was that supposed to work on us after we've seen it a thousand times? Yeah, I feel like the monster's powers were kind of inconsistent, too. Like it... Yeah. <laughs> I would agree, and I... I don't know. Like you said, it just there's just like no stakes. And then they're trying to shoehorn in things like the... I found it very interesting when Trevor's like, I looked up if 
mental illness and suicide is hereditary because I wanted to know what I was getting into. Like, what? Are you a human adult? What? I, I didn't understand that whatsoever. Well, plus, they, they already established that her mom wasn't mentally ill. Her mom was a drug addict. So what, right. what did that have to do with anything? When did he look that up? In the like week she was going nuts? Like, is that when he started his research? In the last couple of days? I, I think it's the Trevor character was hilarious to me. Because, like, they show him one as, like, the stereotypical perfect boyfriend. And then when she's like, oh, something's bad happening. He's like, "You, what are you talking about? You're insane. What are you, like, he didn't even attempt to understand or, like, say, like, oh, my God, something must be wrong. He's just like, you crazy. <laughs> you, you, we need to get out of here. You get out away from me. Stay away from our cat. Oh, what was the cat's name? Mustache. 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 Mustache the cat. I like how dumb the movie thought the audience was by like having the close up on the name tag after the cat died. I'm like, yeah, I put that together. Thank you. I realized that was her cat. just in case you thought it was a different cat that she killed. I want to make sure you understand what's going on here. I did Google. Um, does the cat die in <laughs> Smile? Oh. When I was in the middle of the movie theater, I'm like, I ain't gonna, I don't want to watch this. I was gonna get up and leave. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate the um, patient that kept being like, you're going to die. You're going to die. It was like my inner monologue when I was in the theater watching Lightyear. So uh, (laughs) I liked liked him a lot. He was my favorite character. I thought they did a disservice to him because his like performance in the beginning was actually like pretty good. And then they're like, can you just be the most ridiculous person that ever existed? All right. Thank you. At the at the birthday party with the kids, one one of the kids is not singing the birthday song, so nice job to that kid. Two, taking out the dead cat. We talked about this after the movie. I know it was for dramatic effect. Would a child really view a dead cat in a birthday box and take the effort to reach his hand in and go, well, I guess I have to show everybody this that is one the was gift. asking what he got. Yeah. <laughs> he had to show him. Yeah, he took it out like he got like socks. Like, oh, he's like, oh, yeah. dead cat. I didn't ask for this. Also, did it not tip off the parents that he stared at it for five minutes first with a, a, a demoralized look on his face? You don't want to step in there. What I don't understand is what? How did the cat die? That smile thing can't kill things. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> did it like make Rose do it or something like that? I don't know. Maybe it ate the train. I don't know. Yeah, what happened yeah, to the train true. too? Where's the yeah, train? yeah, maybe it was a total coincidence, and it just kind of fit into the theme of things. They should have worked that train back in. Like the smile guy, like shoves it out real fast when she's walking by, and she goes trips on it or something. You know, <laughs> he's just like fucking with her. I was hoping there'd be more of a motif of her dropping the glass all the time. Like, like she'd go over um, fake Jake Gyllenhaal's house and accidentally drop the glass and and all that stuff. But you know, they they only did it twice. So. But it was enough to make her boyfriend research mental health. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. She's dropping a lot of glasses lately. <laughs> Jeez. What do you think his Google search was? How do you think he worded it? Is <laughs> never mind. I'm not gonna go there. Never mind. <laughs> Is my girlfriend nuts? Yeah. Possibly also fiance or wife, depending on the script. <laughs> also, when she falls through the glass table. And then we just get a, sh- a shot of her screaming her lungs out. 
That was one of the things that I'm like, I don't, why am I looking at this right now? I got it. She fell through the glass table. You're you're just making this unpleasant at every step of the she's way. She's in pain, and you gotta know she's in pain. But she's gonna forget about that pain immediately. It's fine. <laughs> Until she looks at her bandages and is like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I made a list of all the <laughs> all the things that they used, and probably not even all, just the ones that I wrote down. First of all, the title sequence just does not fit the theme of the movie at all. No, the flashing epilepsy-inducing <laughs> lights. It was what, like what is that. It was like you lost the game of Galaga in 1981, <laughs> and it was like game over. Smile. Smile Monsters really into electronic dance music. Yeah, it was awful. You wanted to get that in there. They did the phone ringing. They did the car. They did, again, this is another thing they just shoehorned in there. The ghosts, the spirits out of nowhere, where it would just be like some deformed person being like, Rose, next to her. (laughs) And it just, like, it happened so inconsistently. They use a can of cat food, her forking cat food as one. Uh, The house alarm, screaming and striking a match. And this is... It was just all too much. I, I hated it so much. Also, the music was very interesting. I don't think the music was bad. There were just a lot of strange sound. At one point, the music just sounded like somebody's stomach gurgling. Towards the end, it was just like... Wasn't there one where it was like, oh, or oh? No, it was when she was listening to the recording oh, of that's her what it was. assessment. Oh, yeah, and she kept going backwards. Those were the throat singers from Dune. They were just hanging out on set one day. <laughs> yeah, this it, very. It's also, one other thing that I'm just done with as an image in movies. I'm tired of people being stressed out in the shower. I've had enough of a shoulders up shot of somebody with their head against the tiles and the water's running down their back, and they go, ah, "Enough." I, it's in every friggin' movie that I've ever seen. I'm How are you supposed to know someone's stressed without that image? <laughs> I just like can't like do anything else except them except making the actors stand in a shower for five hours for twelve seconds of film. Stop it. Um, you know, as far as digging deeper, I understand a lot of people are plotting this for talking about the passing of trauma. You know, one person's trauma passes to another, passes to another, passes to another, and okay, it's there. I just thought it was a little like, okay, trauma begets trauma begets trauma, and what? Like, okay, I thought what this movie was missing, which could have led to a more interesting conclusion, was something about healing, right? Something about moving on from the things in the past. I I didn't really get that. She kind of like hinted at it when she was talking to uh, Joel about liking him and her defenses coming down. But you know, but then, then he had to smile. Away. So yeah. yeah, he had to he had to be the demon. So we we couldn't get anything anything like that. Yeah, they they gave us that as part of its uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King fifteen endings at the end. Yes, when, uh, you know, she, it seemed like okay, she overcame thing with her mom. She told the monster to fuck off or whatever, and she burned it. And we're like, oh, okay, we get it now. She overcame her trauma. That's how she beat the smile guy. No, actually, never mind. She's going to light herself on fire at the end. 
What was the monster's plan if he didn't come though? He was just gonna stand around in the in the lighter fluid, the kerosene, and wait. Just gonna hang out there for a while. There's not even a TV or a book there or anything. Imagine like a park ranger. I, I guess. I, I, well, we don't know if it was in a park, but imagine like a cop or some like random like an urban explorer somehow comes by. They're like, oh, cool, an abandoned cabin. Walks into that. That's gonna be the plot of Smiles, the sequel. There should be an alternate ending where Joel walks in and she's like, "Die, simp! I need this monster away from me." <laughs> Start stabbing. I just wanted Joel to move on, like move on, man. Come on. And then he just he would always give up so easily. Like when he was viewing all the accidents on his computer, and she just takes the computer from him. He's like, "Or just take it." Like, oh yeah, she re- she really put up a huge fight to take a laptop from you. And then, oh, should we talk about the gas station uh, hedge clippers oh stabbing? <laughs> That's the dumbest. So, yes, can I can I get this one? Please do. So we get the security camera footage, which I'm I'm guessing the instant reaction you're supposed to get isn't to laugh, but the, you get this guy takes a pair of hedge clippers and stabs them into himself, and then immediately the car in front of him is just caked in blood. Like there's no blood <laughs> splurting at all. It's just an instantaneous blood everywhere. And I'm, it looks so stupid. Dumbest visual of the movie. And you could see it even more when they played it backwards. It was like one frame to the yeah. next was like blood all over <laughs> and then, and then the no blood at all. Then... <laughs> he was just carrying a bag of blood that he stabbed. <laughs> just, spray, just popped all over the <laughs> I want to note two things from when she goes to meet the... so. In the beginning, we get Laura, who is a PhD candidate, who is like the original smile person. First of all, she said, I'm not crazy. I'm a PhD candidate. And I said, like, get over yourself. Like, please, I don't want to hear that. I thought it was a good scene. I also liked in that scene how all the things she was saying, like having a hard time describing what was going on, saying she's not crazy, was like later reflecting what Rose was saying to everybody else. You know, I thought that was like, a real fear that they could have dove into the fact that like our mental experiences are so unique and they're so difficult to communicate to other people that you're almost like stuck in your own mind a lot of the time they didn't really dive into that because people need to smile so that's cool would have probably been more effective if we didn't see 90 percent of the scene in the trailers also so i completely agree uh but so she so laura got infected with the demon because she saw her professor commits suicide. Tyler, do you care to tell everyone what the headline of the article said? <laughs> it was like, professor ends life in front of student. Just the least professional journalism that there's ever been in the world. And then the wife, uh, played by the great Judy Reyes, if anybody's a Scrubs fan, she was in this. When she goes... When she's talking about the woman who committed suicide in front of her husband, the professor, she's like, that awful woman who killed herself. I'm like, all right, settle down. I, I want to know, because they say you have less than a week. No one survived more than a week. How are all these people doing this research on this demon that she keeps finding more answers the more people she goes to? Where are they getting these answers from? Why would the guy know that you need to be brutal to get the demon to go away? <laughs> What? what is there just like a, a library on this demon 
I'm just waiting for like Smile Seven, where the demon's just kind of bored and like just sick of it, and he's like, just just go jump off a building already. Yeah, it's fine. To be clean, take some. (laughs) They should have just had a random homeless guy come in like halfway through. And just spill all of the oh, exposition. Yeah. At least it would have been cleaner that way. Andre or whatever his name is. <laughs> that yeah, smile demon's never been in here in 15 yet. <laughs> Shout out to, to Matthew Lamb, who plays Jackson, the nephew, who I, I feel like they didn't tell him that he was in a movie and they were just getting all his natural reactions to things. <laughs> like when she's flipping out in the car... And he just has to like stare bug eyed <laughs> out at her. There's massive eye glasses that make his eyes look like huge. What a, a missed opportunity shot. for him to have a great line there. Like I was expecting him to be like, damn, bitches be crazy and like walk away yeah. or something. You know, like nothing. That would have made it much there, better. Standing there looking like uh fucking a Christmas story kid you ordered from Wish. Like, <laughs> they get the fuck out. I was hoping it just cut back, like, the scene, the camera would pan out, and he'd just be stroking the dead cat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, like, like the kid from Dumb and Dumber, where he... I was thinking the same thing. I wasn't gonna say it. There you go. Another missed opportunity was her explaining to A-Train that uh, Mustache went to go live on a farm or something. <laughs> yeah. Poor mustache. He's definitely going to be in our, our year of end uh, memoriam for non-human pals. I love the scene where she's like, can you help me look for mustache? And he just slightly bends and looks over the counter. <laughs> that's, that's the extent of his look. That's the effort. That's all he's got. Yeah. I, I was also shocked at how dull this movie got at times. Like, it was ridiculous. Then it was dull for a while. Like, her therapy sessions... And like, oh my god, yes! I would say I'm the most likely on the pod to enjoy a therapy session scene, but these were just like uh, these were just boring and useless. That was just so that we could get the smiling. That that was I will say that was one of the genuine things that was like okay when they do the phone call where she talks to the therapist, or I'm sorry, the therapist comes to visit and then she gets the phone call from the, the real therapist. I'm like okay, good setup. Um, and then they just ruin it like everything else. Also, in her phone, it says, like, Dr. Jane Doe. Who is putting doctor as a contact in the phone? And then underneath the name, it says therapist. As, <laughs> as though she Maybe knows she knows multiple doctor, whatever. Yeah, Dr. Jane Doe's. This one's the therapist. The other one's a geologist. This one's mustache vet. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I, I've had more fun talking about this than any anything i did watching it uh any final thoughts on smile that about says it all it was just disappointing um second movie in a row now horror movie barbarian being the one before this that it felt like a really good black mirror episode somebody decided to stretch out into a movie for some reason so <laughs> yeah yeah that's not right. a good one I, I'm, I'm baffled by the reviews just like you guys are I, I enjoyed Barbarian 20 times more than I enjoyed this. All right. Well, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. Tell people where they can find you and So Wizard. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so So Wizard Podcast, uh, pretty easy stuff. Just go to SoWizardPodcast.com. That's our hub for everything. We got a weekly podcast where we're reviewing movies and TV shows. We've got our YouTube channel with interviews and all sorts of other extraneous content. So come on and check us out, SoWizardPodcast.com. 
Matt. You can find me over at Matty X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sitkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallat and on Letterboxd at MGallat. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel. <laughs>